Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Editorial and Broadcast at Open Banking Expo. Today I'm joined by Henk van Hull, the CEO of the Open Banking Implementation Entity here in the UK. He joins me to discuss the fifth anniversary of the Payment Services Directive 2, or PSD2, which made open banking a regulatory requirement in the UK. He's also here to talk about the CMA's announcement regarding the completion of the open banking roadmap and the implications for the OBIE. Finally, as we wait to hear from the Joint Regulatory Oversight Committee's Strategic Working Group on the future of open banking in the UK, Henk will offer his thoughts. Welcome to the podcast, Henk. Well, thank you for inviting me. Let's dive straight into it then. As I mentioned in my introduction there, um, the UK and Europe have reached a significant milestone. So how far has open banking in the UK come in that time? Yes, a lot has been achieved in the last five years. And I must say this is a a PSD2 is five years old, but I would say um, five years young because this is a very young industry. Uh, However, I think a lot has been achieved and the um, ecosystem is very thriving in financial services and uh, fintech within the UK. And we should be all very proud of what we have achieved in the last uh, five years. I think the UK has really spearheaded the drive um, of uh, um, PSD2, um, which is actually, as you said, um, has been uh, uh, called open banking as a new regulatory requirement since the 13th of uh, January 2018. And if you look at, you know, what what we have done within the UK in order to make it a success, um, we went really further than our uh, European colleagues uh, implementing the uh, PSE2 standard, and we created um, in 2016 already um, an entity called uh, Open Banking Implementation Entity, so OBIE, um, of which I'm now CEO. Um, and um, on the back of that, a single standard was created uh, and mandated, and then we monitored as well that um, the compliance of it was ensured. So that's a big difference uh, between what the UK has done versus their um EU colleagues, and that meant that we were really ahead of the game um, and that we see um, quite a thriving ecosystem. You can see it also in the numbers and the results. Um, You know, there's about 246 regulated third parties now in fintechs in the UK versus over 338 uh, in the whole of Europe. We deliver benefits uh, to over 6.5 million users. Uh, There's now more more than 7.5 million uh, open banking payments every month that we see going through the system and also more than 1 billion calls, API calls a month as well through the standardization, as I mentioned before, which is very, very, very successful as well. So we should be very proud and a lot of new products and open banking enabled products and services have been launched by, uh, there have been many initiatives, innovative initiatives being delivered to uh, the circa 6.5 million users by many participants in, uh, in the industry in the UK. Yeah, and indeed, and and uh, those are some really interesting uh, stats that you quoted there. You know, five years is a really long time in in any industry, but especially in financial services. So, how much has the UK's financial services industry kind of changed and transformed for the better 
in that time. Yes, I, I would say it's, as you say, it's um, uh, the word transformed is quite helpful because um, um, if you look at, for instance, um, what, what it has created, it's, uh, what it does actually open banking is to ensure that we have uh, data sharing going on, uh, consented data sharing by end users. Um, and um, a lot of fintechs are using that data in terms of improving and also outcomes for them. So it, it has actually transformed um, in the last four or five years, UK financial services. And in particular, also now we see a lot of um, new changes uh, happening and new developments, technical developments uh, in payments. Um, so we are offering more and more open banking payments as uh, an alternative to uh, credit cards, for instance, and, and debit cards. So that's also transforming uh, particularly the payments business. And we see, of course, more and more uh, end users uh, adopting open banking, particularly in the current times. You know, during the last five years, we've seen some very tough times for end users and businesses, particularly because of the pandemic, the uh, rising cost of living uh, as well, and the living, uh, living crisis. Um, so we see more and more adoption of, uh, in particular, um, some of the products and services um, using open banking. You know, I can refer, if you want, also to our own open banking impact report. Um, so we see more and more customers uh, using open banking to be on top of their expenditures. About 75% of our customers, about 65, uh, 64% stick to, to budgets, uh, 59% shop around. 55% want to use open banking to reduce fees, such as current account fees and other fees uh, as well. So in terms of what has been achieved in the last five years, on the one hand, I've seen a lot of innovation and competition on the back of uh, open banking, but also seen a lot of benefits to end users um, adopting more and more these financial services and products. And let's be honest, if you also look at what we have done as a nation in the UK, more and more other countries. So we've taken the lead in the world. Other countries are now also taking the UK's blueprint because we have put in a certain regulatory framework and, and legislation in place uh, to accelerate the adoption of open banking. Uh, and more and more countries are now, uh, you know, nearly copying what we have done and achieved. Yeah, absolutely. And that paints a, a really promising picture, definitely. We've talked there, obviously, about the the, the five-year anniversary of, of PSD2, but I guess um, another milestone has just been reached in that uh, we, we've heard from the CMA that the the open banking roadmap in the UK has been completed. So what does that mean, Hank, for the OBIE as an organisation? Yes, so uh, indeed, very uh, good news indeed, because uh, um, the CMA's order, you know, the roadmap was agreed about 2020 to encourage indeed as a remedy um innovation within the industry, but also to create and deliver significant benefits to end users. All that has now you know, reached a point where we, uh, on the back of that roadmap, have now completed that roadmap. Um, the good news is um, so that we are going to, of course, carry on um, uh, protecting um, that order, so the CMA's uh, order, um, in, in order to ensure that, that compliance remains and that uh, customer experience keeps on approving to deliver the outcomes of the roadmap. Um, we also, as an entity, and you're asking me about the organization, I think that most importantly, what we are trying to achieve is to protect the order. We are uh, going to have uh, ongoing monitoring of the order, promoting, uh, of course, 
the remedy as well. So to ensure that there's more adoption in the industry, you know, we mentioned there as uh, got 6.5 million users. So we want to go ahead and get to more usage, of course, and users. Um, and of course, we need to maintain the uh, current proposition and uh, the standards uh, out there too, because um, uh, in any like in any digital uh, project, we need to just release new uh, updates and, and software as well to, to ensure that we have always the latest available regarding our uh, standards. And, you know, we're very excited about the future as well. Um, as you mentioned uh, you earlier on about the Joint Regulatory Oversight Committee, the JROC as we call it, they are preparing for the next level of open banking and um, they are going to publish, hopefully within two, three months, what they think the new roadmap or the new agenda uh, or remit uh, mandate might be going forward as well. And so we're looking forward to that because the main main success of open banking was uh, indeed the ambition of the regulators to make this happen. And uh, we're looking forward to see the renewed ambition uh, going forward uh, from now on in open banking by the regulators. Yeah, ambition being the, the key word there, I guess. And um, well, we know that OBIE trustee Charlotte Crosswell is obviously preparing to step down at the end of January. That was announced a little while ago. So what will the incoming trustee have to prioritise in the role? Yeah, it's a it's a, a, um, a very interesting time to also shift in terms of trustees, I think. Um, of course, we, we will miss uh, Charlotte, sadly. <laughs> she tirelessly worked and... Uh, uh, and she's, of course, going to continue to support open banking and uh, us as an entity. And I would say she was leaving us on a high in a way in terms of, uh, um, you know, we have now finalized uh, a report, which is a transition report. We also finalized another report, which is what we might do going forward as an input to JROC. And um, the new trustee, because that's exactly what, what, what we're veering towards, is um, going to to focus on, first of all, uh, our DNA, which is still uh, protecting the order and ensuring compliance uh, by the nine banks who signed up to it, so what we call the CMA9. Then also that person is going to continue uh, to ensure a responsible running of the current operations in open banking, and then also, of course, a transition to uh, what comes next. So we are um, recruiting, so the CMA, Competitions and Markets Authority, is uh, recruiting right now. And is hopefully going to be able to announce something by early February. We have a new uh, trustee. Now, the trustee will also focus on the new trustee, will also focus on the potential implementation of whatever the JROC then is going to decide in terms of uh, the long-term framework as well, because in the end, the JROC is going to establish a long-term regulatory framework for open banking in the UK. So one of the tasks for the new trustee is also to ensure uh, the implementation of that. Great. Uh, we look forward to uh, Open Making Expos hearing who that new trustee will be in due course. Let's move on. Uh, you've mentioned it a few times already, of course, JROC Strategic Working Group. We know they're due to publish their report sort of later this, this month, I believe. So as you say, this is going to give us an idea of, of what the future shape of open banking will look like in the UK, um, moving into open finance, of course. So what can the ecosystem expect from from this report, which I believe was based on a series of, of sprints, wasn't it, that took place last year? Yes, it was um, a marathon of sprints, we called it at the time, if I may. 
So indeed, so sounds exhausting. <laughs> it is, and it was actually two sets of three sprints. So uh, there were like follow-on sprints, and in true agile style, so it's an iterative process where we uh, learn from the one, and then we give some feedback. And in an iterative process, we start the next sprint as well. So it's been a very um, modern design, and also it's been an independent working group that was established uh, uh, by the JROC and also chaired by somebody called uh, Brian Zhang. So he's recommending to JROC uh, indeed. Uh, what uh, the future uh, roadmap might look like. And we all have been inputting into that process, not only us as an entity, uh, but also the entire ecosystem, the industry, the associations, the nine, so the banks and building societies, all been inputting into the system and uh, into the sprints, uh, which then finalized into a report that will be published and submitted by the end of this month, indeed. And then we're waiting for results and decisions Hopefully by the end of March, um, latest, that JROC will uh, come back to and publish that, the outcome of it. Uh, and what do, do you expect that, that working group to propose when it comes to a future entity that's going to govern open banking and open finance? Yeah, so it's difficult to preempt, of course, what is going to come out and what other findings are going to be. Now, the, the process uh, was very you know, qualitative. The process was to each time the contributors were providing input, they had to also evidence. So it was fact-based evidence. So we're looking really forward to the outcome of the report because that will be very high quality, if you want, which is going to map out the future for open banking. Now, JROC has already kind of uh, shared a high-level vision, and the vision is mainly based on, on the one hand, uh, establishing a sustainable footing for the ongoing development of open banking systems. That means that also not only the adoption, but also the management and the day-to-day critical services we need to run need to be sustainable. Uh, so we are not national critical infrastructure. However, we are considered to be critical, uh, particularly when it comes to payments right now, open banking payments. So we need to be a sustainable uh, model, so a resilient model. Uh, secondly, what I can share is we need to become scalable and we need to level up as well for the future. So that not only we are sharing financial data, of course, through uh, the system and through open banking, but as you know, we're on a journey towards open data and or open finance and smart data so that we have a blueprint and a scalable model as well for future data sharing and, and, and their propositions. And yeah, it wouldn't come as a surprise, I guess, how the inroads we now have made regarding open banking payments, uh, so with uh, variable recurrent payments um, and the sweeping payments so that we would extend open banking payments and we would encourage further competition and foster innovation in the payments industry uh, is, of course, high on the agenda as well uh, going forward. That's good to hear. And, um, well, well, we'll watch this space for for more information on, on that entity as, as it comes out, of course. Now, Speaking to some parts of the industry and, and uh, you know, there have been some concerns, I think, that with the roadmap coming to an end, the UK stands um, a chance or, or becomes at risk of losing its competitive edge. I mean, do you think those concerns are valid? And, you know, how can you allay any fears within the ecosystem that the UK might start to fall behind other countries? So I think, let's be honest, the reason why we've been so... Uh, successful in the UK and been leading the world uh, on open banking is in particular because there was a predefined 
roadmap, uh, which was mandated and which is now being monitored. And there was also a single stand. So I, I understand and I hear the fears and your comments there. However, we have gone uh, through this before and we've improved very successfully in, in terms of implementing. Uh, you, you mentioned it before as well. Ambition is indeed the key word here. And we have ambitious regulators and policymakers in, in the country, which helps, of course, the agenda uh, being accelerated. And I think that's the second comment, of course, is not to lose momentum. And we need to carry on uh, investing and keeping up uh, uh, with the other countries. We are still, of course, leading the world. The good news is as well, of course, that uh, all the sprints we were mentioning, all the work has been done in 2022. And early this year, we'll kick off with the uh, publish, with hearing what JROC is going to publish regarding uh, their decisions on what the future roadmap might look like. So we're in good stead right now. Yeah, I think it will definitely depend on the ambition. Uh, but as I said before, they will continue to be uh, ambitious and continue, um, the regulators will continue and policymakers continue to be encouraging innovation in the financial services uh, industry and all that beyond uh, what we already built in uh, uh, on the back of the CMA's order. The legislator is also working uh, hard on data protection and uh, the digital information bill, um, which then also will be very helpful in mandating other uh, smart data initiatives going forward. Absolutely, and uh, lots going on there. Something I, I want to talk about is is funding, I guess. You know, over the past five years, the nine um, largest banks in the UK, as you say, known as the CMA9, have largely shouldered the cost of open banking. So do you think uh, this needs to change? And if so, how can the next sort of stage of implementation be funded in a kind of more balanced and, and fair way? Well, just uh, as a small reminder, indeed, the um, the original mandate, and, and this is still uh, what we are mandated by, our our current mandate uh, of open banking is that uh, uh, this was on the back of uh, a competition remedy uh, by the CMA that was mandated on on the nine banks and building societies. So it it was right that they were required to to fund its implementation, and uh, currently that's what they also are doing so far, and also within uh, 2023. The good news is, of course, that. Uh, we are ready now, or we are getting ready for the next stage, Open Banking 2.0, if you want. And JROC is indeed looking at the next agenda and roadmap. However, JROC is also, of course, looking at um, new models, as you mentioned, of funding, of liabilities, of uh, costs and corporate structures, etc. So next to, let's say, the what question, so the, the remit, the roadmap, we're also looking together with JROC um, at the how question. So how we, are we then going to deliver that roadmap going forward? And the how implies, of course, also then that we discuss a fair and equitable funding model as we move uh, beyond the order and start to take on more activity as well. So we need to look at different ways that not only in terms of a new entity, but also how that entity is being funded uh, equitably uh, and fairly as well. And that might include other options, um, like we have seen uh, in parallel companies where it's often there's a membership fee or there are regulatory fees or levies, etc. But all these options uh, will be looked at uh, by the regulators. 
Just one final question then for you, Hank, and I'm going to sort of ask you to get your crystal ball out now. But seeing as we've reached this kind of five-year milestone, I I wanted to find out, you know, five years from now, where you think the UK will be on its, hopefully by then, open finance journey. Yes, exactly. So first of all, we have good foundations. We have strong foundations. They have been built. Um, We uh, know the recipe. We know how it works. It's a good outcome, um, and we have some ingredients to make it even better. So there is a successful uh, framework, and the regulators are uh, also looking at further regulatory requirements going forward. So more to be built on the foundations. I think that that's probably a key message. So we have a lot built, and we can still flex a lot and grow a lot what has already been built in terms of the interfaces and 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 so on, and just focusing on further user adoption, more propositions, more innovation, more competition is, of course, and further protecting what has been built and the remedies as well and the mandate is, of course, what we continue to do. Nevertheless, uh, we need to keep momentum going and build more. We need to build peers on the back of PSD3. That will definitely come uh, along in the coming five years, uh, as you say, open finance and, and, and smart data as well. But we don't just need to focus on these technologies and on these directives, if you want, and regulations. They need to just, in the first place, help SMEs and citizens and consumers improve their financial lives as well. So improving the the cash flow they manage or improving and helping customers in the difficult times we're having right now going forward as well. So fostering innovation, encourage anything regarding competition, but in the end, making sure that whatever uh, we expand on and level up and scale up uh, in regards, with regards to open finance or other use cases is that in the end, uh, it has to better, has to be better and better the lives of companies, of citizens, consumers, and, and businesses. Thank you so much, Hank, for joining me on the podcast today and for answering my questions. Great to hear from you. Thank you for having me. My thanks again to Hank there from the OBIE. Great to hear about some of the developments there and, of course, that really significant milestone, that five-year anniversary. If you'd like to catch up on the Unplugged podcast series, then simply visit the on-demand section of the openbankingexpo.com website. You'll also be able to catch up on some recent live panel debates and TV episodes. That's all from me for today. Goodbye for now.